This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we chat with Bates softball first-year shortstop Ella Marr, who helped propel the Bobcats to their first-ever win in the NASCAC tournament. Plus, senior Derek Shen sprinted his way into the history books, and the rowing teams are headed back to the national stage. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. On Friday, the Bates softball team defeated Amherst 1-0 in the NESCAC quarterfinals hosted by Tufts University. The Bobcats got five shutout innings from first-year Madison Hollis in the circle, and fellow first-year Delaney Rankin earned the win with two shutout frames out of the bullpen. Meanwhile, rookie Ella Marr shined once again at shortstop, making a number of spectacular plays in the field, and she delivered the eventual game-winning RBI single in the top of the seventh. It's the first win in the NESCAC tournament in Bates softball history, and it came against the defending conference champion and second-seeded Mammoths. The Bobcats fell in the conference semifinals to eventual champion Williams by a score of 2-1, to one, but Marr had another strong game, going one for one with a run scored and a walk. And Ella Marr is our female Bobcat of the week. Well, Ella, what a weekend for the Bates softball team. First of all, as a first year, what does it mean to you to you know, make history and get that first NESCAC tournament win for the program? I mean, it feels amazing. I actually didn't know that it was our first win in program history, so finding that out was honestly really awesome. And I'm really excited to see what this team does in the coming years, you know, only being a first year, but um, I'm really, really excited. And then take us through your at-bat where you got the single to get the run you needed there against Amherst. Yeah, I was I was down 0-2 in the count, um, so I was really just looking to put the ball in play somewhere hard and on the ground. Um, I ended up <laughs> popping it up, but it found a hole and comma scored, and it was amazing. So tell me about, you know, what put, you're from Massachusetts, what first put Bates on your radar for colleges? What made you want to come here? Yeah, so um, Caroline Bass yeah. actually went to my high school, and my high school coach, when I talked to her about recruiting, she was like, one of our best players here, you know, she went to Bates, I think you should really give it a look, and I did, I did a lot of research on the school, thought it was a, a good place for me, and reached out to the coach, and now I'm here. Did you talk to Caroline at all about her experience? Um, I had texted her a little yeah. bit. I never got to play high school with her because right. she was a little bit older. Um, but she had nothing but awesome things to say about the program. So So you play shortstop. You made a number of highlight reel plays this year. When did you start playing shortstop kind of growing up? How did that become your position? I would say I bounced around a lot when I was younger. I think shortstop definitely was like my favorite position. I pitched for a very long time. Um, but I just, I love shortstop because I feel like you're always involved in every play, whether that's, you know, covering a base, getting a cut, but yeah, I just, I love getting dirty. I love, I love how much ground you have to cover. So shortstop was definitely like the position, uh, position for me. So of all the highlight reel plays you've made, what's your favorite this year? (laughs) Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, I would say there was a ball hit up in, up the middle in the Williams game, and that I, that I uh, dove for and then tagged the bag with my glove. I would think that was probably my favorite. I also love how the team gets really excited about all the defensive plays. Was, was that like have everyone so hyped up like that? It's, it's amazing. I remember Kama gave me a big hug. I, I, she's just been like 
my biggest hype man, and I, I try to be that for her as well. So it's really nice having senior le leadership as well. That's a good point because Kama plays third. You're at short. Yeah. You're working together kind of on the left side of the infield. What's that dynamic like? Um, Kama gets every ball, I swear. She's just like – she like comes up and gets balls that, that are hit in the middle um, that I wouldn't have time to make the throw for. Um, she makes some crazy backhanded plays. Um, so having that – leadership on the left side of the field with me is just it's amazing i was talking with kama last week she said the team really takes pride in the defense this yes. year how big of key was that to I mean, all around for the success right absolutely i mean our pitchers have kept us in a number of games very low scoring games um they've been phenomenal um all season and having pitchers as well as defense to back that up has been huge and so looking at um the the Williams game you had to go up against their ace again I mean yeah. that that's also a tough matchup I mean what's that like from a hitter's perspective because I would not want to face her yeah she <laughs> we we watched a lot of film back yeah. on our games against her um she has very good movement and I guess the game plan was not to swing at you know the pitches above our head yeah. because she definitely got us a lot on those um so I think just like being steady in the box knowing the pitch that you want to hit and waiting for a pitch you know lower at the knees and at the belt was really what we were looking for and I think it definitely worked against her in the game but sometimes it doesn't go your way <laughs> well, it was so close right yeah. I mean and how encouraging is that to see for the team as a first year to see you not only beat Tufts this year mm -hmm. you beat Williams also and during the regular season but also hang with the best of the best right that yeah I mean I think that's huge for our team and for this program just seeing like the strides that we've taken this year and um sort of seeing where that will lead next year because I think I think we have a good group of girls coming in um a lot of returners since we're, we are such a young team um so really excited and then you know take us back a little bit further we touched on you know you bounced around different positions sort of what got you into the sport of softball to begin with kind of did your parents you know get into it or how did that work um my dad played a little bit of baseball mm -hmm. growing up um and also I had a, a lot of friends that played softball I started at a pretty young age like I think I was around six um and so I just I joined a rec league with one of my friends because she had been playing for a little while um and then it kind of went from there. Looking back on this year, what do you think you'll kind of take away from it, you know, overall in, like, most memorable games, you know, in the experience in general? I, I'm really proud to be a part of this team. Just looking at where we were in the beginning of the season and where we've come, I think we've, we've given every team um, a run for their money. Um, Tufts, Williams, I mean, these are two really good teams. Um, so I, I think we made a lot of noise. And... Uh, this season, and I'm I'm excited to see what we can do next season as well. Sounds great. LMR, our female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. In track and field, the Bobcats head to the Open New England Championships over the weekend and turned in a number of impressive performances against teams from all three levels of the NCAA. On the women's side, senior captain Jill Richardson took third in the 5K with a new personal record time of 17 minutes, 4.68 seconds. Meanwhile, Junior Chrissy Amon moved into fifth place on the Bates all-time performance list in the 800 meters, placing seventh in two minutes, 13.61 seconds. For the men, senior Derek Shen starred for the Bobcats, advancing to the finals in the 100-meter dash with a personal record time of 10.80 seconds. He lowered that time to 10.74 seconds in the final, 
good for fourth place. And Derek Shen is our male Bobcat of the Week. Well, Derek, Open New England's a unique experience. You get to compete against, you know, runners from Division One, Division Two, all levels. What was that experience like? It was a fascinating experience, uh, one that I've never experienced, really. It's the largest meet I've been to in terms of just sheer size. There are like 20 schools, 20 plus schools there. Like you said, you know, spans across Division One, Two, and Three. I got to see big schools like Northeastern, Boston University, Harvard, Dartmouth, these like very impressive athletic schools really compete and sort of see, you know, what their training and what their warm up, what their uh, routines are like. So it was a great experience all around. Um, and yeah, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to race very well. Yeah, I was going to say on Friday, you qualified for Saturday's final, right? So mm-hmm. take us through the qualification, the heats, and when you found out you, you were fast enough to get into that top eight. <laughs> yeah, Friday definitely was a magical day. Um, so the week leading up to this meet, um, I just kept telling myself to not expect too much. As you know, as one of the slowest seeds going into the meet, um, I was seated at 23, 23rd out of like maybe 30 runners going into the meet. Um, I, I knew I couldn't expect that much. Uh, I ran a time of 10.88 going into the meet, which is on the dot of the time you need to, to qualify to, for the meet, 10.88. Um, so I, I just really like, uh, to, to, to not expect too much, to, to not get too down, to, to not to too, uh, put too much pressure on myself. Um, that's sort of the mindset I, I had going into the meet. But at the same time, um, I, I I just told myself I was not afraid of anyone. Um, I knew I had the capability. I knew I've been improving steadily throughout the season. I knew I have the speed. Um, uh, I just wasn't really, like, I didn't have any fear at the same time. Um, and on race day on Friday, um, uh, fortunately, some of the really, like, fast people, maybe one or two really fast people didn't race. Um, so, so that was one of the, like, positive conditions um, just going into the, uh, prelims and for my heat I was the last heat um, the previous few heats had experienced uh, t- heat two and three had some he- uh, headwind mm. and for my heat um, the headwind stopped um, fortunately um, so that gave me a big confidence boost going into the blocks like not feeling wind blowing in my face um, and there had been a false start in my heat as well um, one of the top seeds false started uh, so that again gave me more confidence I feel like I can really just compete with any of these guys and the gun went off and I hit my drive phase uh I took about 12 13 steps got up you know started moving my levers quickly and I didn't see anyone around me uh, that was a really good feeling um whenever I don't see anyone around me when I'm upright sprinting I know it's a good sign and you know at the line I leaned looked over didn't like uh, I was on par with the top seed like one of the top seeds so I knew I had to run a fast time uh I went over to the scoreboard uh, just anxiously waiting for the results to come out. Coach Johnson was there too, just standing there watching the scoreboard. And the results for my heat came out, and I saw a 10.80. And that was a point one, a point zero eight PR for me. Yeah. So uh, it was a good time. and But I didn't know if I would get in. So we anxiously stood there for another like couple minutes to wait, to wait for the complete results to show up. And then it did. And it said number seven, Derek Shen, or seven, seven Shen, 10.80, Bates. Um, and I've never seen Coach Johnson that excited. He jumped up, punched the air, um, and rightfully so. And I was very happy as well because uh, I literally learned that I'm I'm the first male bait sprinter to qualify in the for the final uh, at the New England Open New England Championship. 
So um, uh, I think that's a great accomplishment. I'm very proud of it. Awesome. And then in the final, you had the win at your back, right? You cut some more time off, but I guess because of the win, it doesn't necessarily quote unquote count, or how does that work even? <laughs> yeah. So for a qualification yeah. um, purposes, uh, like in the International uh, Athletic Association, the official win legality limit is uh, 2.0 mm. meters per second. Um, to count for like records and and so forth, but in in college um, that goes up to four point zero. Um, so the wind I had behind my back was three point zero meters per second. Okay. So um, it counts for you know qualifications, qualify for nationals, and uh, any any other meet. Um, and it would go on my uh, account online uh, track account. Um, yeah. So uh, fortunately, it's it's under four. So yeah, that's good. Awesome. So yeah, ten point seven four, right? Yes. Yeah. So take us through the the the, the final. I mean, it, at that point, it's almost all gravy. But I mean, what were you thinking going in, right? <laughs> yeah. So for the final, I had just ran the four by one relay. That's right. Right before, so there was an hour turnaround. Um, the four by one went pretty smoothly. Um, we had been changing lineups uh, pretty much every week leading up to the meet, because some of our guys have been getting sick, injured, and just personnel changes all around. So um, we were happy with that performance. It was smooth. Um, and, um, I had about an hour turnaround to really collect myself before the 100 meter final. So I just lied, lied down in the, uh, under the shade, chilled out for a little bit and then warmed up with like 20 minutes left. Uh, my mindset of going to the final was pretty relaxed, honestly. Um, sort of similar to, um, when I ran the 6.92, 692 indoors, mm-hmm. I was, uh, it was pretty chill. Um, I was confident. I knew I could run with any of these guys at this point because I had uh, just proven it in the prelims. Um, so I, I really didn't have that much pressure. I uh, kept it pretty easy, kept it pretty cool, stepped on the line, gun went off, hit my drive face really hard, got up. Once again, I didn't see anyone around me. The person next to me, um, I, I had gone past him already. Um, there was one Northeastern guy who was way above, way ahead, um, but I knew you know, they're very talented, uh, gifted athletes, so I sort of just stayed cool, finished my race. I knew, I, again, I had to run a fast time because I was with all those top guys. Um, ran around to the scoreboard, and the scoreboard actually didn't show our times, so we had to go to the finish line, and the officials read it out place by place. Mm-hmm. That's never happened to me before, so that was pretty cool. So they they went like place by place, and, they, and when it got to fourth place, they said fourth place Derek Shen Bates ten seventy four, and you know I was ecstatic. You know that's a super fast time. I had been taking off point one every single meet essentially, um, and that's super impressive. And I'm really happy. I'm really happy about that. And, and uh, everyone was really excited for me. So that's a good experience. Awesome. So what are your thoughts on this Thursday? Because you're kind of getting approaching the Bates record in the 100. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll be t- take a significant drop. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, the final qualifying meet coming up here? <laughs> it's very excited for this yeah. final qualifying meet. Um, it's a good opportunity for myself and Kevin O'Connor, my teammate, mm-hmm. to put forth one fast, one last fast performance. My teammate Kevin hasn't really uh, ran the 100 meter recently. Um, so this will be his uh, first 100 meter race in, in a couple weeks. So I'm excited for him. And for me, um, I think uh, it's reasonable to challenge the Bates 100-meter record. Um, it's quite a legendary record. It's mm. been held. It's been there for 40 years, uh, held by Todd O'Brien, who also holds the 55-meter record. Um, and it's an exciting prospect for me because you know I've never challenged such a long record. The 60 record was uh, only like 10 years long. Um, and I think uh, I'm confident that I have a shot at it. Um, 
and I'm just gonna go out there, try really hard, and see see if I can get close to it and even even beat it. And uh, yeah, I think it's a realistic uh, goal. Well, the 60 record was a few days, a few weeks long because you get re- broke Colby's. <laughs> that yeah. <he> broke. <laughs> that was a wild indoor. But speaking of that, you know, uh-huh. we talked about before how um, you're a senior, but this is your first outdoor season because you were right. injured last year. So going from the 60 to the 100, what has that process been like? You know, in terms of you know meets and whatnot. You know, in terms of sprinting, because obviously mm. 40 more meters. Yeah, you know, I. Um, I had thought it would just translate directly to the 60 would translate directly to the 100, but in reality, it wasn't the case. Um, there's, it's so technical, the 100 meter is so technical. You can't just be a good athlete, be fast and, and sort of rely on, uh, rely on your acceleration to finish the race. You need to have a good technical model, a good race model. You need to know how to race well, um, and really be, you know, fine tuning your technique every day. So I didn't know that. Uh, my first race, I opened at, at 11.28, which is, given my 60 time, um, really, really, like, slow and below standard. Um, and I quickly realized, though, I really need to work on the last 40 meters and really get my race in tune. And after that, um, with the help of my coach, Coach Johnson, my teammate, Colby, Kevin, um, and the other guys, I was able to fine-tune my technique and drop time meet by meet. Um, I remember I went 11.28 and then 11.02, and then I broke 11, which is a which is a big goal of mine, and it's really impressive. And I was uh, really happy about that. And went 10.94, and then 10.88, and then now 10.80, and then 10.74, steadily dropping time. Um, dropped half a second over the whole season, which is like a big margin. I could never imagine that <laughs> going into the season. So um, definitely very technical. The last 40 meters is uh, is definitely nothing to to be uh, scoff at. Uh, it's very. It's a very crucial 40 meters, for sure. And then the 4x100, you touched on that. When you all were at full strength, you broke the program record in the 4x100. We had Robbie Griffin on that week after you guys did that. But uh, what was that moment like for you to set another school record, this time as a team? Yes, uh, great, uh, great moment for us. Um, bittersweet, I would say, bittersweet, because that was the NESCAC meet, uh, one of our biggest meets in yep. the outdoor season. And we were beaten uh, by Tufts by just point zero two, They went 42.02, we went 42.04. So while we did break the record and we were very proud of that accomplishment, uh, we were also a little bit bittersweet because we were, you know, right there. If we got in third, we would have been on that scale. Right. But uh, all said and done, um, I'm really proud of this team. And um, I going into the season, I did not, I, I wouldn't have imagined, uh, like, the bond we would create. Um, I got really close to the guys, Robbie, Kevin, Colby and um, myself, um, we call ourselves the quartet. Um, and yeah, we just, we always hang out together. We are trained together. Um, we really fine tuned our, you know, stick work. Um, and, you know, from the start of the season, slowly dropping time steadily to 42-0, but beating the record um, was, a, was a big big accomplishment for us and um, really speaks volume to how hard those other guys worked. Um, and how hard we worked as a collective. So it's a dream come true, like a surreal moment for us. So we're really happy about that. Excellent. Well, Derek, good luck this Thursday at MIT. It's a final qualifying meet. Hopefully you'll drop some more time, maybe challenge that Bates uh, record. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Thank you. The rowing teams learned their postseason fate on Tuesday, and both teams qualified for their respective national championship for Goddess. First up, the Bates women's rowing team will compete at the NCAA Championships for the 16th consecutive season after earning an at-large bid on Tuesday. The Bobcats head to the Camden County Boathouse in New Jersey for heats on Friday, May 26th, and finals on Saturday, May 27th. 
The Mace men's rowing first and second varsity eight crews are headed to Mercer Lake in West Windsor, New Jersey in early June for the IRA National Championship Regatta, where both will compete in their respective D3 races on the biggest stage of collegiate rowing. Head coach Peter Steenstra reflects on the season so far and the challenges the Bobcats will face starting late next week. So Peter, for you, I mean, the women's rowing team, normally automatic qualifier. This year had to sweat it out a little bit. Um, what was the um, maybe experience like having an actual watch party here for the selection show? Luckily, Bates' name came up first. Yeah, that's when it really pays off to be in alphabetical order. But um, no, I mean, I, obviously, I, 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 I'm behind the curtain a little bit with a few of these things. So I, I did know a little bit ahead of time. I got some forward notice. Um, but it was a lot of fun for them to see it. And certainly we had... Um, it's nice to have a chance to do it here in the team room at the boathouse, and, and that's pretty cool. Um, and it's a fun way to find out, right? And the team, I mean, at least since I've been here, this is kind of a rare situation where you're kind of the underdog a little bit going in. Now, what's that uh, like for you for you as a coach, um, you know, in terms of making adjustments and trying to surprise some people perhaps? Yeah, it's a fun place to be. Yeah. Um, it certainly is. It, you get to go into a major regatta, and you're not – you're not wondering or second guessing if you are, can just maintain where you've been, right? There's a lot of stress when you're going in as the top-ranked crew. Uh, all that expectation and build-up, and uh, just ask the Boston Bruins, right? They they have a good idea of what this feels like. Um, but yeah, we've been in that position before too, and so this has a real we've got nothing to lose sort of taste to it as we go into it. Um, and we're trying some different things with the lineup, and we're moving a couple of people around, and the entire team is being really open-minded about the whole thing and, and willing to try some stuff out. And we're just we're just looking for whatever might be lying underneath that last rock. You know, is there a little bit of something that clicks in really easily for us and and really makes a boat go? And uh, you know, I think we're discovering some cool stuff. You know, when you look at New England's, you look at NIRC's, it seemed like some crews, especially Williams, made some adjustments from one championship to another. What did you notice from some of your competition, perhaps? Um, well, the, it's a NESCAC, so everyone's very well coached. Yeah. Uh, they, they're very well prepared, and the coaches that are there know which regatta is the most important one. Sure. So <laughs> when, we, when we got to NIRC, we certainly didn't take anything for granted. And if you look at the results from New England, you'll see that, uh, for instance, the third fastest crew of the day was actually in the third level final, was Trinity. Mm. You know, they had one of the fastest times of the day. Um, now, how they landed in the third level final, I didn't look back to, <laughs> to understand all that. But we knew going in that it wasn't going to be just us and Wellesley and maybe one other trying to battle it out to see who got medals. We knew it was going to be a challenge. So um, it believe it or not we we landed in an appropriate place and it was the right amount of uh kick in the tail for us to make us realize okay we gotta we can't just roll into this thing we gotta make sure we know that we've we've done everything we can and then a little bit about the um location of ncaa's this year for the women um it's new jersey but it's not where you've been before so tell us a little bit about where you'll be competing yeah, it's in Cherry Hill, although they have another name, Pensawasson or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I've never heard that name before, and no, I've raced. I, I raced there four <laughs> times. I took probably six or seven crew I've teams there. Four different things. Yeah, I mean, I've been, <laughs> uh, but since the last time I was there, they've built a big boathouse, which is there for the entire county there, um, and it, they dredged it, so it's a whole new piece of water as compared to when I was there last. It's been many years since I've been there. 
Um, so it's, you know it's a good race course. It's safe. It's very well protected. Um, just like anything, if you get that wind right out of the proper direction, you know, straight up or straight down, it's going to pick up like any other place. Um, but in general, it's a, it's a nice race course surrounded by, well, you, you got a whole park on one side and then you've got an eight-lane highway on the other. <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's, a nice, uh, it's a nice race course, and I think we'll have a good time there. And then, so that's NCAAs, that's late May. Then the next weekend, you're at IRAs for the men who qualified today. We found that out via email that they were in. Um, you know, obviously, they're in an underdog situation a little bit also. But the exciting thing is, not only does a 1V have a D3 championship, so is a 2V this year, right? Yeah. So that, this is the first year for that second eight to have an event. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting event, but you've got to start somewhere when you start adding uh, events to these big, big regattas. But it is seven boats, and it's going to be a seven-boat race for lanes, which is what they do. So we're actually going to have the exact same race with the exact same crews twice. <laughs> right. So the first race is to just get a proper lane. And then the second time we race, the, the final itself will be the same seven boats, but in a different order according to how you finished in the first race. Okay? Sounds a little bit silly, but so much can depend on the weather conditions and which side of the race course you may be on. And it's, it's difficult to accurately um, rank the crews just because you have bodies coming in and out and all that sort of thing. We need to find the fastest crew on the day. And that's what this is all about. Plus, if we're going to do all this, we might as well get two races out of it. Yeah, certainly. It's interesting. Are the lanes for the initial race four lanes then chosen randomly? Not chosen randomly. Uh, they are ranked okay. based on previous <laughs> okay. right? yeah. based on previous results. But you know, by racing on the day and then setting you setting everyone up for the most accurate and proper final race the next day. That's what this is about. Gotcha. And so, you know, today you were working mostly with the men. You seem to alternate a little bit. So, how do you balance it from a head coach? You know, training two teams for national level competition within a, a week of each other. I depend very heavily yeah. upon the assistant coaches. Yeah. So. Um, you know, Keen and Carly both know what they're doing. And when, when Carly and I take off on Tuesday to go take the trailer down and get everything set up for when the women's team arrives on Wednesday, um, you know, Keen is here running the guys for that week that I'm away. He's more than capable. And in fact, this is where he's, he really shines at times like this because what he knows is, is training of the boats, coaching the boats, and prepping them for that final race. And so I have no problem at all taking off for a week because I can have a quick phone call and just ask how it went, or he might send me a quick video clip, and, and I can take a look at it from afar. But he's, he's more than capable of preparing the crews for uh, championship time. Great. Well, I guess last question. Do you often ca compare rowing to chopping wood? It's being repetitive. And, and, and so what's you know, give you a little more creativity, though, in the chopping of the wood to prepare for this? Let's just say we're going to sharpen the axe. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. Peter Seenser, thanks so much. Thanks. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap the MIT final qualifying meet for track and field and take a look back on the women's soccer team's trip earlier this spring to Iceland. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my